Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zen Ashe. I am a coach, conduit, and catalyst who launches humanity into greatness by accelerating mindset changes and replacing limitations with possibilities. Today's episode is going to be titled Making Your Energy Stronger. Now, pretty much anybody in America knows that we have a energy crisis and I'm talking about a personal energy crisis. Like we only have so much energy in a day, in a week, in a month. And so everywhere I go, I was at a fashion show yesterday and I was vending and I have essential oils, as you can see. And the lady said, do you have anything for energy? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, not in that way. I'm not this. You're not going to rub this on you and it's not going to make you feel energized. I was like, I have things that can help you get rid of stress, you know, through journaling, you know, the worry stones that can help you kind of relieve stress through meditation. I have that kind of stuff, but no, you're not going to rub this on you. It's not going to make you feel energetic. You know, so a lot of people are looking for that way to make their energy stronger. And, and I think that, um, there are many ways to make your energy stronger. You know, I, I have found meditation helps me have more energy. I have found that journaling definitely helps me clear my mind. You know, I was telling you before we started this podcast that I have tried all kind of different alternative methods. I have, I did an ionic foot bath today for mm. the first time in like, uh, um, I guess it's been seven years. So that's where you put your feet in the water and they run ions through your body to get out toxins. So it's a detox uh, procedure. And I actually do feel clearer headed and, and more energetic from that. And I've done acupuncture. Mm. Um, that didn't make me feel energetic, but it, for some people it does. You know, I've done Reiki, which definitely, you know, when they do energy healing, they, they kind of hold their hands over your body and you might feel some warmth coming from their hands. You know, I've had that done to me and that can cause us to feel some, you know, energy. One thing that I love and I hate the way it tastes, I'm just going to tell you (laughs) every two weeks I will go and I will go to a smoothie shop and I will get two shots of wheatgrass in some kind of smoothie, whatever it is I'm feeling that day. Wheatgrass is nasty to me. It's nasty, but I cannot deny that I feel so good when I drink that drink. Have you ever tried something like that gave you energy, any kind of health food? Um, uh, no, I normally I'll have peanut butter raw. Um, and I, I've been off my vitamins, but I got my back on my vitamins. So I've been more energetic as than normal. Well, I didn't introduce him, but this is John Ross Dyke, the third, right? The first. The, the first. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You're I don't good. know why You're I always good. say the third. The first. Because nobody ever says the first. That's it's true. like equivalent to being senior. But I right. didn't I didn't name my son Junior. Um, so nobody ever really says the first. So I throw okay. a lot of people off by that. You might as well not even have it on there. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and um he is a podcaster like I am. He is a coach. So we're going to talk about energy in terms of having multiple things that we do. He's also an actor right. and a poet. Right. Um, so we're going we're gonna to jump right into that. You know, people ask me sometimes, you know, I'm at school. I'm a high school teacher for those of you that don't know. I've been in education 26 years. Mm. I'm at school and everybody's talking about, ah. Oh, 
it's the end of the day. I'm so glad I want to go home. I want to take a nap, you know? And then they look over at me and they're like, oh, you go home and you actually work on your business. Right. Like, how does that work? Like, how do you have the energy to do that? Right. And my answer to that is doing what you love mm. gives you energy mm. because it gives you a fulfillment that you can't get otherwise. So even though it is tiring and it does take energy, there is a, a to me, there's a, a backflow of energy that comes from it. You know, and you can, you can kind of speak on that. As a poet, the same thing. There have been times when I have left work and I have come home and showered or I have even had a change of clothes that I took into work in a bag with me and I've gone into the bathroom at work, changed clothes, done my makeup and gone and done a show. You know, because I didn't have time to go home or I had to go eat and then go straight to the show. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. I didn't have time to come home. Um, but then again, the stage, you know, the energy in the room. One of my poems says the energy in the room becomes the fuel I must consume. You know, so to me, there's kind of a whatever energy I give out, my passion kind of gives it back to me. It makes me feel energized when I see the results of things that I'm doing when I, when I interact with the audience, you know, what do you think about that as, as a teacher who sometimes has to leave after work and go do different things in the week? Right. You know, how, how does that work for you? To, to piggyback on what you said, I never, I never understood when the, at the end of the day, when teachers zoom out of the parking lot before the buses get out, before the parents pick their kids up, I never understood that because we spend so much time during the day running around, answering emails, going to meetings, having classes, that at the end of the day, that's when my energy actually picks up. I feel liberated. I can take my time to get things done. So I never really understood um, how teachers at the are leaving the classroom or leaving the school building before students and parents are picked up or buses leave because they're they're so fat they're so ready to get out of there i find my energy the most at the end of the day um when i'm podcasting and i've got my equipment in the room you know and i'm I'm, well i got my equipment in the car and i'm ready to go from work to what i love to do um i feel like this this burst of like finally i get to being the element where I'm the boss. I don't ever have to take on anybody's questions or questioning or why did you do this? This is the way I want it done. And I'm going to do that. And it really just, I love those days. Those days haven't been um, occurring as often as I'd like them to be, but I love those days when I can just go from the job um, to the real job. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying because people that say that, like, how do you have the energy to do that? And there is, it, it is tiring sometimes. There is a, 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 a sacrifice. Mm. You may not, I, I haven't watched TV in at least seven days. Mm. I haven't even turned the TV on at all. I mean, mm. like nothing, zero, because I'm working on a book right now. Right. And I just finished proofreading and sending off to the editor, the one that's going to be released coming up. You know, that's the, my Zenergize Your Life volume one. I'm actually going to be releasing to Amazon, you know, 
in the upcoming month, next month. So I'm going to let you guys know when that's coming up. So just be on the lookout so you can go get your copy. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> you know, um, but um, there is that I have to do this stuff from nine to five. I don't agree with everything that I have to do. I don't even like everything I have to do. But now I get to go to my creative space. I get to go to the place where I've chosen something that I feel is very important. You know, I feel self-development mm. is the entire reason we were born. We were born to become the best version of ourselves and not just for us. But if I am my best version, then I am doing the best I can for the people that are around me. So they're getting the best version of me, which means that's my way to make the world a better place. Right. You know, so if I'm helping people to become the best version of them, then they're impacting their children in a more positive way, their spouses in a more positive way, their community in a more positive way. So that's my way of changing the world. I may not be able to, you know, create world peace, but mm -hmm. I can touch individual lives. And through touching those individual lives, those individual lives touch other individual lives and then it ripples out. And that's what the whole butterfly thing is up there, that ripple effect. You know, so I feel like what I do through this podcast, through the journaling, through the poetry, it is literally the entire reason I was born. It is literally the only reason I exist. And so there is an energy that comes to me because I feel like now I am actually walking in my purpose. Mm. Now I am actually, when God looks at me, the universe, the ancestors say, okay, that's my girl. She's doing what she's supposed to be doing. Now over there, that nine to five, sometimes I don't know what she's doing because mm. she's, you know, because everything we do in education sometimes doesn't make sense. I'm just going to say it. it just doesn't make sense. And teachers don't always agree with some of the things we have to do. But when I'm able to spark creativity, you know, help somebody recapture their dream, help somebody remove, as I said, the limitations on their mindset and say, hey, I can, I can just go out of my comfort zone, maybe just a baby step. You know, and that baby step leads to another baby step and that baby step leads to another baby step. And pretty soon you look at somebody that you saw a year ago and where they are is like, hmm, I had a little bit to do with that. Mm. Just a little bit. They mm. did it. They did it. You know, I can't take credit for none of what they did, but at least I had this little tiny push. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And they did the rest. Right. You know what I mean? And, and that to me is so it's so humbling but it's also it's like the entire reason I exist so there's an energy that comes to me through knowing that I have been given the gift and the responsibility to just try to be my best self and try to encourage others to be their best self right. and as a coach I know that you do that as a teacher we want to try to bring out the best in our students we see stuff in them and we see, I, I was just talking to a little girl the other day. She has 78 in my class for last nine weeks. Mm. She has a seven in my class mm. right now. A seven, seven. Mm. She has barely been to school. Mm. And I told her, I said, you had a 78 last nine weeks. You are very intelligent. You are very capable. I know you haven't been here. 
but you have this whole week off, you could easily go and do your assignments and come back, you know, and be passing. And she shrugged and she says, it ain't going to help nothing. And I know that there's a whole lot more going on in that statement than school. You know what I mean? And you want to sit down and sometimes you have the opportunity to sit down and say, what is going on with you? Talk to me. You know, maybe we can figure something out. Maybe there's some way I can help you. Maybe I can connect you with somebody that can help you. You know, and sometimes you can get through to them and sometimes you can't. Mm -hmm. But, but as teachers, we see potential and we know that it's going to take energy to pull out that potential. The kids got to put forth some effort to, to pull out that potential, but we want to try to encourage them to do that. And as a coach, I know you want to do that too with your players, you know? So how do you go about kind of getting your players to want to put the energy into, cause I couldn't reach her right Right. then. She didn't want to put forth the effort. She didn't want to put the energy in. She, whatever was going on, at this moment, she's just checked out. Right. You know, she's checked out. I can't reach her. You know, maybe, maybe next week it'll be better. But today, well, that day, no, we weren't getting anywhere with that conversation. Right. So how do you, how do you as a coach, you know, try to bring out that desire in your players to put forth the energy that they need to put forth to, to rise mm. to the level of their greatness? Um, I coach two sports. Uh, softball and basketball and I've been doing that for the past I've been at Waltrip eight years taught seven and coach six so for the past six years and those two sports um, are so different one sport I deal with the the top echelon of kids and of that top girls uh, softball that is some of them have played all their lives I had a girl Last year, um, I love her to death, but she told me uh, I lost interest in softball um, because of this program. Mm. I took it two ways. I didn't take it as an insult because, you know, she in the same breath, she said, but I came back to play for you. Um, I took it two ways, though. Um, The first way was that I'm not. I'm new at the game, so I don't have the capability of pushing them to where they need to get. And although these girls think they know it all, they want to be pushed. Um, the second way I took it was that, um, well, I don't know what you want me to do. I mean, I come to practice every day. I hit the balls yeah, every day. At some point, you have to take onus for yourself. You've checked out of softball. You didn't want to play. And I, I begged you. I said, hey, I'm going to be the head coach this year. I would love it for you to come back. But prior to that, you were checked out. That's softball. Basketball, on the other hand, for me, um, you got kids that want to learn. Kids that um, think they know. But when they get on the court, they're looking for you to kind of like help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Sort of like how it is in the classroom to the kids that want to learn. Um, Those two sports, though exclusive, they bring the same reward to me, but one of them really helps me help them better. Um, And they stay humble in that sport. The other sport, you know, 
I get there and sometimes I don't feel like I know all I need to do, but I stay dedicated to it. But in terms of like getting them to the next level, I think some kids are checked out. Some kids play sports just to kind of be, um, to do something, to be a part of something without any kind of goals or aspirations to go to the next level. And I found that especially in in basketball. Some softball girls that I've dealt with could play on the next level at some form of college, but basketball is different. And then in basketball, I feel that um, they need me more. So I actually... I actually enjoy that that season a lot more than I do um, the softball season because they are are you know they 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 hit you with slide slugs like coach you can't you can't hoop no more and then when you get out there you put a one two on them you lay the ball up and you and we all talking crap to each other they're like okay I see you now okay now I gotta up my game how did you do that or how are you how did you get to that move or how did you move your feet like that or what are you thinking when you get on the court and you're doing this what is your thought process and that is where you see where they are aspiring to be different than they were in the moment before and so you know coaching you know it's um the energy that it takes the energy that it takes to um to go 8 hours in school and then go another 2 hours and uh, with us, you know, I coach all three levels, freshman, JV, and I assist on varsity. And we do six days a week sometimes. We do film. We do weight room. Um, we do practices on Saturday. So, you know, my energy when it comes to the basketball season fluctuates. And I, that, that is where I find that um, what I do outside of work, podcasting and making T-shirts and just hustling um, – some sacrifices are made, pardon me. Some sacrifices are made, whereas, you know, I got to be at practice and practice is going to drain me. Then I got to get home and, you know, my wife is at the house and we got to we gotta have some time to ourselves. And so where do I find that time to really do what, you know, what I really love to do, what I really feel like I was born to do, like you said. And, uh, you know, coaching, is it takes a lot. It's It's draining. It's draining. Yeah, I can only imagine. And, and you know, for everybody out there with family, you know, family is its own part of your life mm. where you have to be dedicated. You know, um, I think that most people have a vision mm. of how they want their marriage to be or their relationship with their kids to be, or, um, you know, even their friendships, you know, they have this vision of, okay, I want it to be harmonious. I want us to be close. I want there to be good communication. And, and all of that takes a certain level of energy. You have to actively listen. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to put some quality time in, you know, you have to do some, build some memories, you know, whether it's uh, going on a picnic or having a family dinner together or whatever, you know, you have to have that time and that energy. And sometimes, you know, it's difficult when you have a nine to five and you have your outside interests that, you know, you're doing, and then you have a family, you have to, I think for me, you know, I know that I've had to, in a sense, almost schedule certain things. Like I'm, I'm going to 
have this time set aside for my family. No excuses. I'm going to, you know, we're, go out to dinner here or cook a special meal or we're going to sit down and watch this family movie or whatever it is, you know, and, and if it's however much time, you know, certain amount of minutes a day, or it's a certain on Saturdays, that's our time at this time we're going to do this or on Sundays, you know, for me, you know, I had to, to, I guess you could say prioritize certain things. And, you know, before I was doing all of this with the podcast and everything, when my kids were small, you know, there were, I raised them a certain way. Like, my kids got two hours of electronics a day, period, that you could divide it between TV and video games, but that two hours was it. Mm. After that, we're doing some homework, we're playing some board games, we're reading a book, you know, and part of that meant that I could not just sit them in front of the TV and just let them zone out. I had to save some energy so that when that two hours was up, I was sitting down checking their homework or we were sitting down reading a book together or we were sitting down watching a TV show together or we were talking about our day or we were getting ready for the next day, whatever. But, you know, for me, that was important because I had decided at a certain point I wasn't letting the TV raise my kids I wasn't letting the internet in which they weren't, my kids are 26. So the internet wasn't as big when they were growing up as it is now, but video games were, and there was some of their friends that that was all they did. You couldn't even have a conversation with this child because they almost were going through withdrawal mm-hmm. <laughs> with during five minutes. You know, mm-hmm. you couldn't even sit and talk to this child because they, they were so used to being in that game that, you tried to talk to them for five minutes and they were just, you know, almost going through withdrawal because they couldn't touch their device, you know? So I just felt like it was important to me, you know, to take my kids to the park, to take my kids swimming, for us to go to the tennis courts. Not that I was good at, I can't play football, but mm. I guarantee you I picked up a football and threw it with my sons. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I, I did play basketball in, in high school. I can't shoot worth anything, but I can guard very well. <laughs> I'll tell you now. You know, I actually was runner up for MVP just for guarding because right. I could guard the hell out the basket. You know what I'm saying? I could rebound all day, but I can't shoot. You know, so so there were things that I did um, because I think part of energy, making your energy stronger is deciding what your priorities are, you know? And, and for me as a parent, one of my priorities was kids that could think kids that were not just vegetables in front of some device parrot and everything that they heard, because I saw adults like that. I saw adults they didn't have a thought in their head that wasn't given to them by some TV show or some radio program or, you know, some commentator. They couldn't think at all for themselves. And I said, Mm-mm, no, because I that bothered me. You're an adult, you know. So I wanted my kids to think I wanted them to read. I wanted them to be exposed to things. I wanted them to get out of these four walls of the house and let's get out into nature. Let's go do a hike. Let's go do something. So, um, that meant I was in the grocery store 
picking up the little, they used to be a kid's magazine that said family time or something. I don't remember what it was, but you picked it up. It was free. It was right next to the green sheet. Mm. And I was going through their circle and everything that was free. And everything I had time to take them to, we were in the car. We were going somewhere. We were going to Buffalo Bayou Nature Park to look at the crickets. And they had a, you know, (laughs) they had a little insect. You know, we were going to do balloon and face painting at the library. We're going to the clowns and we're going to the, oh, this little circus is going to be over here. And this, so I was constantly taking my kids places, but. That didn't mean that my kids turned out perfect and they didn't make any mistakes. They still did their stupid stuff that they kids do. But, but I felt like I had saved some of my energy to give them a rich uh, environment of thought and experiences that when they look back, they would say, okay, I enjoyed my childhood because my mom was doing this. We were doing this. We were doing this. We were talking. We were hanging out together. You know, I wanted them to have that because I, my parents worked a lot. Mm. And the only time that we really spent together was Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter. All the holidays. That's it. You know, maybe Mother's Day, Father's Day. So those holidays, probably like five times a year, I felt like I got time from my parents. Besides that, not really. You know, when we went on long drives, my dad and I would talk. I would be the one that kept him awake. Mm. We would talk the whole time because he did all the drive. My mom hardly ever did any driving when we went on long drives. Um, And my dad was very... um, hard in in the sense of when we had conversations if he asked me about something he would be like why do you think like that mm. okay back up what you're saying okay that didn't make sense try again you know um so i learned to be very articulate with my dad because he really expected me to be able to have in a sense an adult conversation right. even when i was a kid right. you know so it was, it was a great it was great it that was one of the things i treasured um so I think that priorities are important in determining what you're going to spend your energy on and, and having a vision for whatever it is, you know? So what do you think about that idea of prioritizing where your energy is going to go? You, um, you said a lot and you normally say that in your podcast, you said, you said a lot when you, when you, uh, when you're vibing and you're listening to somebody, you say, you said a lot. And the first thing I heard you say was scheduling. Um, priorities and scheduling. Um, my priorities used to be podcasting every Tuesday. In fact, I was I was timid to say that initially because you know the the level I was trying to take it to, like not missing a Tuesday. I gotta I gotta drop on Tuesday. That's if if that if I'm making a brand and I want to associate myself with Tuesdays, I gotta drop. So my priority was always. When I drop the podcast at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on Tuesdays, that Wednesday, who's the next guy coming on? What am I going to do next? That priority um, took me away from a lot. You know, um, I would I would be absent at school. I'd be there, but I'd be thinking about, OK, 
okay, uh, this person said this or this person said that. Are they a person that I could bring on the podcast? Because, you know, podcasting, when I, when we, when I got into it, just sort of like how you got into it, you find out that this is what you really, really love to do. So this takes, this takes top spot. Um, wife, I love you, but you know, everything I do got to be according to the podcast. I cannot miss. And of course, she'll feel a certain way about that. But it was my priority to do this podcast and, and then the scheduling part came about. You know, if I don't get it done at a certain time, I can wait the last day. This is Monday night, two o'clock in the morning. I can wait and get it done. But then am I going to be effective in school on, 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 I'm sorry, Monday night? Am I going to be effective Tuesday morning at school? Am I going to make it to work on time? And then it got to the point where if I'm not podcasting, my energy is low. I feel like this is something that I've dedicated my life to. Like, I'm going to make it in this. Somehow, some way, I'll figure out a way to make it. It might not be to the point where I had envisioned in my dreams, like, okay, I'm going to be on on syndicated radio and my podcast will pop up and everybody will know me across the world. But I can make it by, i.e., producing other podcasts or, you know, selling merch um, via whatever construct that I make in the podcast to be able to, to generate residual income like we've talked about, like I've talked about with other people too. So when the scheduling got off, meaning I drop a podcast on Tuesday, Wednesday I don't have a guest, Thursday I don't have a guest, I know I need to be kind of like recording, editing, chopping out clips to put these out to entice people to want to, you know, oh, that minute clip, let me go watch the rest of the episode. Thursday comes around, Friday comes around, Saturday comes around. I haven't recorded anything. Then I got to get on there Sunday night and kind of like freelance it, you know. And so the scheduling has kind of like affected the priority of the podcast being number one for me. In fact, I want to I want to say thank you because, you know, I came here to record a podcast and not necessarily sit in front of one, but just kind of like watch you do your thing and draw inspiration from you. Right. Because. I haven't dropped an episode in so long and my energy has just been low with podcasting because I'm thinking, man, is this really, I don't have a direction, you know? And so, and that all leads to, because I can't have the scheduling portion of the podcast, of the podcasting thing done, sort of like how you do it. Like, you know, who's coming on the next, next time that, that you do a podcast and you have that well set out. So that way you could kind of prepare yourself Gather your thoughts. Um, everything's not last minute. You know what you're going to do. You know what you're going to talk about. So when you get on there, it always sounds well put together. Thank you. Um, I found out, you know, in, in doing the podcast and, you know, at first, initially, two things. My man told me, he was like, listen, you do a lot of things. Mm. Which one takes priority? Mm. Then when my brother echoed that, he was just like, Jay, you got to be a master at something first. Hmm. You got you you got too many distractions. And, I, and it was my initial reaction to be like, nah, nah, I got it. Because this leads to this, this leads to this, this leads to this. And when I didn't podcast, but I was still making money doing the T-shirts, I said, it's really, you know, is, you know, saying that I do T-shirts on the podcast really like, is it a distraction? Hmm. Or... You know, why do I say that? And so in that thinking, 
I was like, maybe it's time for a rebrand. Maybe, maybe this podcasting thing for me can't be every Tuesday because I got so many other things coming on. Not to mention, I got a bean coming in January, mm-hmm. you know? And so they say, you know, the bean comes, your child comes. And it's one of those things where it's like, everything stops. Yeah. And so when I, when I hear you talk about looking in the uh, family time paper and my wife is already there. She has no extras. She has no extras. She knows where her energy is. It's always been in family. So when this child comes, she's going to be locked and loaded. My energy has always been in like, listen, I'll be at the house when I can. But when it's time to get going, like I'm used to be, like my father was one who was always on the go, always working, always grinding, always trying to figure out the next dollar. Um, My energy, I'm wondering, how is it going to be? Where are my priorities going to be when when this baby comes, when, you know, when I can no longer say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm about to I'm about to go podcast. Now my time is limited. So the whole podcasting thing has really sucked my energy, even though it's what I love to do. It's really sucked my energy and it's made me rethink my priorities. Like, where do I need to be? Where am I most effective at to be able to um, get financially where I need to be to be better for this child coming? You know, so priorities for me is, is it was key when you said that scheduling was key, too. But. You know, I'm in season now with basketball and I've seen I've seen now now the softball season is going to come and we're already having issues. I'm I, like, you know, I, I've tried to distance myself. Hey, I'm in basketball season. Talk to me in a couple of months, but I'm having to find my I'm seeing that. Oh, my God, I'm already I'm having to I'm having to be a part of something that I'm really trying to just step back from right now until it's the time. So that priority of being a coach has, you know. Being, you know, father, husband, father, soon to be father again, coach, podcaster, you know, hustler, this and this and that. Everything is like, where do I put this at? Where do I put that at? Is it still safe to be this in this time span has been the question that kind of like, you know, and through all of this, my energy does this. And, you know, um, but when it comes down to being in front of a microphone and talking, my energy is always like I like. I'm ready. I'm here and I'm excited. And I'm like, who? maybe I could podcast Monday being off. And, you know, and, and I got to thank you for that because um, you've kind of set my priorities straight. Like, you know, your podcast, your podcast, your teacher, your teacher. You got to pick and choose schedule when it's going to be convenient for you. Well, I appreciate I'm glad that that helped you. You know, I, I do feel that we only have 24 hours in a day. Mm. So, um, there are times when I will get up in the morning and I will take just a few minutes. First off, it's like the first thing is like, thank you. Just thank you that I'm awake, that I'm alive, that Mm. that I'm healthy, you know? And then I have a passion planner and in the passion planner, it says, what's your focus for the day? Mm. You know? And there are many times when I don't think about that, what my focus is for the day, but then there are times when I do. And like yesterday, my focus for yesterday, I wrote it down, was rapport. I wanted to create a rapport with whoever I came into contact with, whether I made any sales vending or not. I wanted to create a rapport. I wanted to, to, for them and I to have a connection, even if it was just a five second connection, 10 second connection, one minute connection. I wanted there to be a connection. 
um, because I believe that so much can come from connection. Mm. You know, you just never know. Like we connected at the Survivor Seminar years ago. We yes, had what, so. a two minute connection or mm. something mm. like that. It wasn't even very long, right? Mm. You said, hey, I really enjoyed your poem. I'd love mm. to have you on my podcast. And I was like, sure, let me know. Um, and I'll be there. And that was literally about all we said to each yeah. other. Yeah. Oh, I said that you had a nice voice, too. <laughs> you did. You said I had a nice voice. Okay, so that probably took all of two minutes to say, you know, at least two years ago, maybe a little longer. And now we've been working together for years straight doing my podcast. But neither one of us knew at that moment mm-hmm. when we had that little two-minute conversation mm-hmm that it was going to evolve into me being on your podcast. What? I think I've been on it three times. And then you being, you know, on my podcast, you're on it today and, and us working together, you know? And so I have found that having a focus sometimes for the day is great. I also have found that energy as you know, our topic is, Energy can fluctuate for a whole lot of reasons. You know, yesterday, um, I just mentioned I have a passion planner. Now, the one that I bought last year during COVID, that one is my baby. Mm. I put every dream for this podcast is in there. You know, I wrote that the whole vision for this podcast, all the episodes I plan to do, I have from A to Z written in that planner, all the different t- concepts that I plan to cover and just so many ideas and visions that I had f- since I was off and not at work and working from home and couldn't perform. My mind was just all over the place and I was just scrambling, trying to deal with the loss of performing. And I was writing in that planner, just so much stuff. So that planner never leaves the house Mm. because I just wrote so much in it. It's probably got five years worth of ideas in that planner. Now, the one that I have been writing on this year, I took it with me yesterday when I went vending because I knew I was going to be there for a while. And I was sitting there thinking I could plan and, you know, jot out some things and some, How between vending and getting here to my house, that planner has Mm. vamoosed, but I wasn't even upset. You know, I heard somebody say there's what happens and there's how you respond to it. Mm. And those two things are separate. What happened was the planner is gone. Maybe it'll, maybe somebody will find it. And, and, and this guy's Zen Ashe in it and they'll send it to me. I don't know, but the planner's gone. Now, I think Iyama said, there's what happens and there's a story that you tell yourself about it. And the story is what matters because the story is how you actually react. So I said, okay, the planner's gone. I went, I, I realized I didn't have it, went and drove back to the venue couldn't find it. Even looked looked in a couple of trash cans. Couldn't find it. I'm like, okay. Well, that may be a sign that whatever I was planning, we're going to go in a different direction now. Because mm. whatever I was planning 
I don't have those plans written down. Those, those, you know, I have the ones from last year, which I got five years of plans over there, but the ones that I was just working on. Okay. We're going to go in a different direction. So I'm like, okay, I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. So I just finished this audio book and I'm driving and the audio book stops. Thank you for listening to audible. And then I'm thinking, okay, maybe I should pull over. I'm going to, I, I, I'm going to be driving for a while. You know, I would love to have another book plan. I have no idea what I'm going to be listening to next. I enjoyed that one. I'm thinking all this. And then all of a sudden this book starts. The obstacle is the opportunity. Mm. And I look at my, I literally look at, you know, the little screen where my phone is playing. The obstacle is the opportunity. Mm. And then first thing my mind does is go to me losing the planner. Right. Mm. And then it says, Marcus Aurelius said that within every obstacle is an opportunity. And he is famous for his determination. And then we have all of these other people. You know, Oprah is famous for her, you know, ability to inspire. And Barack Obama is famous for his persistence. And so and so and so is famous for this and this and this and this. And he starts listing all of these people. And every one of them had obstacles that they could have let deter them. But they chose to see them as opportunities. And this book is about how to take an obstacle and turn it into an opportunity. And I'm driving and I'm like, okay, universe. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Thank you. Thank you. And right then I'm listening to them. He's talking, he's saying persistence and determination and, you know, um, commitment and just all these words. And I'm thinking my ABCs of Zen, right? I'm like, I'm listening to a book that's basically, basically talking to me. Like I talk to my audience. And then I'm thinking I'm writing a book right now and every book has a lesson, but I've been struggling. I've been struggling to figure out because the book is a memoir and some parts of the book, I started in 2014 and I'm going to 2021. I'm in, I'm in the end of 2019 right now in my writing of the book and I'm in chapter 18. Mm -hmm. Now, some of the book chapters, the lesson was, I got it. I knew the lesson I learned at that point. I wrote it down. I'm typing it. This is the lesson I learned. And then some of the chapters, I'm like, what did I learn out of this? What did I, and I don't know. I don't know, but I'm listening to this. The obstacle is the opportunity. And he's talking about these principles. And I'm like, why didn't I think of this? My whole podcast is A to Z. Every week we talk about a different concept. I'm writing a new book. I'm writing a memoir. And I didn't think about the ABCs at all. My first chapter, the lesson is, I'm not a rose. I'm the whole damn bush. Mm. Because when I was growing up, we had this little rose doctrine that they taught us at church where you need to save yourself from marriage. Cause if you, if you had sex with somebody, they're basically plucking off the petals of your rose. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to your husband, there's nothing left but a stem. You have nothing to <laughs> offer him. 
And so I really took that to heart. I really right. took this whole purity thing like, oh, my God, if I have sex with somebody, I have nothing to offer a man. That was such a demeaning message. I didn't realize that as a child, that basically you're telling me the only thing I have to offer is what's between my legs and keeping that pure. That's it. My mind doesn't matter. My heart doesn't matter. My skills don't matter. Just what's between my legs. Are you kidding me? Now, later looking back on that as an adult, my attitude is exactly, I'm not the rose. I'm the whole damn bush. That first chapter should be called attitude. Mm. But I didn't see that till I lost my planner Mm. (laughs) and I was driving and this book just popped up on my phone. This book I've never heard of in my life. I'm listening to YouTube audio books and somebody put it in there and YouTube decided it must be something I would like to listen to because it just popped it up on my phone. And I'm saying YouTube, but I know that was God, the ancestors. So energy i decided to not put my energy into oh my god i lost my planner what am i gonna do what am i gonna do i decided to put my energy into well obviously something something's gonna come up something's gonna redirect me i must have needed to have a change and what did i do i didn't even have to wait as soon as i made that decision literally within 30 minutes i got a new direction for the book that I was struggling with to figure out how am I going to organize this? Because it's one thing to organize it chronologically. And it's, that's fine. I'm doing that. 2014 to 2021. I'm doing that. But to make it really pop for the reader, for them to be able to get something out of what I went through, what I learned, to be able to divide it by the ABCs and make, okay, chapter one is A, chapter two is going to be a B. Now, I still haven't decided what these words are yet. That's still going to be part of the journey. But now I know that that's going to tie in with the podcast. And before, I wasn't even thinking of tying it in at all. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It, it wasn't even a, a thought. So you can, I feel, have things happen to you. And they can seem to be obstacles, mm-hmm. but they can really be opportunities. And it can all be about what are you putting your energy in? Are you putting your energy into one thing they said in the book? And I can't remember how he said it, but he says something like um, you can you can decide to focus on the problem or the possibilities. That's kind of, I think, what it what was said. And, and I was like, Hmm, so am I going to put my energy into complaining and worrying and stressing, or am I going to put my energy into trying to pursue what possibilities are still available to me? You know? And then I was thinking about another thing that happened today. So I'm a woman, I wear bras. Okay. Now this particular bra that I have, I like it because it holds my girls up, but it's got these long straps, right? So every now and then the strap will just come, you know, flying out of my shirt. And then, so I would be spending energy tucking the strap back in. And this morning I got the idea, cut the strap off, just cut off the excess. Why are you spending your energy plucking this, putting this thing back in there? Just cut it off. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't had this bra for at least a year. Now, why had I not mm. think of that before? 
I spent all this energy for a year tucking this strap back in that would fly out every now and then because it would move around. I would move and the, the strap would come, you know, and it's this extra flap, you know. And I'm like, you could have cut that a long time ago <laughs> and you wouldn't have had to even be worrying about is it going to fly out or, or you know, is that strap showing? Because there were times when I'd be like, you know, I'm going to take a selfie. Is that strap showing, you know? And it never occurred to me, just cut it off. Mm. And and then I was thinking, that's a metaphor for life. Sometimes we keep pushing things down and, you know, moving things out of the way. When we just need to cut it off and throw throw it away. We just need to jettison it. We need to get rid of it, you know. And sometimes we just don't even see how obvious it is that we just need to cut some things off you know because we're so used to dealing with it we it came that way but also just because it came that way doesn't mean i can't adapt it just because the bra came with an extra long strap or set of straps doesn't mean i can't cut them right you know i am the one who bought it i am the one using it so i need to adapt it to me you know, maybe somebody else needs all those straps because, you know, they have it at a different, you know, they haven't pulled it up as much as I have. You know what I mean? Right. But I don't need it. So I can cut off the excess. And so I was kind of thinking about that of the things that we get used to spending energy on that we don't even need to spend our energy on because we could just cut that off, you know, and let it go. So what's going through your mind right now? Um, you know, this is year seven of uh, of me teaching. And I think it was about, I, I've seen a few classes graduate, classes of 2019 and 20, recently classes uh, 2021. And it's only three classes, but it seems like it's been an eternity. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 um, I was thinking to myself the other day because uh, my colleague, once upon a time colleague, he left Waltrip and he went to another district, but he was begging me to come to Algebra 1. And I talked about this on my podcast. Um, The seventh year of my educating career, I felt like I lost my connection, but then um, gained my connection right back with going back to freshmen, dealing with freshmen. Um, because at the time when I was dealing with freshmen, I was a lot younger. I was 30 years old, new in the classroom. So my energy was at an all time high. You know, I just, um, came from corporate America before that I was driving school buses. Um, but the connection I have now, um, with this class, the class of 2025 that I, that I didn't have with the class of 2020 or 2019 is different. Um, I'm more concerned about how I can be different than I was in 2019 when I had the same population. No, no, no. With, with, with my ELLs, I had the same population with them um, than I do now. And so that connection that I'm seeing that I have with them makes me wonder, man, um, do I, do I need to just go all honors classes? Do I need to let go of the aspect that I was that that I was that um, the black teacher at school that spoke Spanish and they just keep lumping me with, you know, the kids that I know that, um, that I necessarily can speak to, can connect with, but they're not really there. Like they need somebody who's more 
more in tuned with the culture. See, I'm I'm just a black guy that speaks Spanish. I'm not Spanish or anything like that. And sometimes they need to connect with somebody who is like them, just like I feel like um, the black kids connect well with black teachers and vice versa. I think that sometimes Spanish kids connect better with um, Spanish teachers that can, you know, that they know exactly what they're saying to keep them in check all the time. And so um, I'm, I'm wondering, is that a, is that, you know, mo- maybe moving into year eight, do I need to say, listen, I don't want to teach ELL Spanish math anymore it's just not where I want to be do I need to let that part of this career go so that I can maybe um ensure my success mm-hmm. because the reason why I say that is because um my energy is high in the classroom especially when I because one thing that I realize about the the Latino culture is when they like you they like you and sometimes you know um I feel that I am the perfect person to talk because, you know, you just can't say oh, anything around me and I'm not going to check you about it, even in Spanish. Um, but I also wonder, I'm like, man, you know, this, this going back and forth in languages, it's just, it just takes, it takes, it really just, and, and I say some really good stuff in English but I don't know how to translate it all the time in Spanish, you know, and, and it, it really just sucks your energy having to say one thing in English and you think that the kids that need to hear it, hear it and then saying it in Spanish. And then you figure, hey, well, everybody in here speaks Spanish. Everybody in here understands it, but they're not connecting to it. You know, I'm I found myself the day before spring break. I'm thinking to myself, hey, why did all these kids come to school today? I mean, I spring break, Thanksgiving break. Why do all these kids come today? If they're just going to be a menace, why don't you just stay home and just take the day off? And I was talking to a couple of kids and I was like, listen, I really need you to change your schedule. Go to another one of my classes. This is me really understanding the energy in this classroom. Like we got some kids that are that are going to. I'm looking at this classroom And my energy was sucked from another classroom because I saw two kids that I know, no matter what, the way they take notes, the way they pay attention, the way they look at you, they're going to do anything they can to pass this test. And I haven't seen that in a few years. But then again, I haven't been with the lower levels. Like I taught in class of 2019, I taught them two years. Class of 2020, I taught them two years. So the connection we had was undeniable. But at the same time, you don't get that kind of you know, once they go, they they take your energy. They take it. They take. They take. And you're just thinking, man, man, um, am I supposed to still be here? Hmm. Yeah. Um. So I've been teaching 26 years, and um, there is there's so much about energetic makeup of a hmm. class. Okay, so. You have all these different groups of students, all these different backgrounds, and they create this unit, this class mm. culture. Mm. And every class has a different class culture, even though I'm the same teacher. Mm-hmm. First period is different from my third period, is different from my fourth period, different from my fifth period. A day is different from B day. 
Um, some classes are very high energy. You can go in there. Mm-hmm. You can get the kids to talk. You can get mm-hmm. the kids to interact mm-hmm. with you, participate. They want to get up and do things. They want to, um, you have a debate. You know, I'm in English, so we do things like debate every now and then. You have a debate. They get really passionate about their side. They get passionate about what we're reading. They get passionate about the characters. Other kids, you could tap dance on mm. the table and they mm. will look at you like, oh. <laughs> and that's it. That's all you get out of them is mm-hmm. a oh. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it would not matter if you turn flips, if you came in in a bright orange, you know, McDonald's, Ronald McDonald's costume. They are just looking at you like, oh. Mm. Okay. And to me, for me, the kids that have no energy, no desire to be there, they are just walking mm. through the building. That's it. They just walk in through the building. They are not connected to a person, a subject, mm. anything. To me, those kids take the most energy. Yeah. Because you're tr- I, I, I'll speak for me. I am trying to motivate them. I'm trying to encourage them. I'm trying to get them involved. I'm trying to get their heads off the desk, get them to do their work, learn something, say something, look at me. I'm trying. It's constantly, 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 constantly. And that to me is the most draining Mm. because according to our culture, our principal, our superintendent, no child left behind. Mm. So, They don't see, it's politically correct now, to basically say all kids are the same and they all can learn and they can and they all can succeed and they can. But it takes away the responsibility of the child and it puts it on the teacher. And the teacher is made responsible for this kid's success failure. Mm. You know, our principle goes as far as to say, if the child hasn't learned by their test scores, that means you haven't taught. Mm. If their test scores show they haven't learned, meaning they haven't passed that, that test that semester, then you as a teacher have not taught. That is a horrible thing to tell someone because generally I'm speaking generally. Now, we all know that there may be teachers who do not care Mm -hmm. and come for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Generally, there are many easier things to do for a paycheck, many easier things than teaching. So generally, the people that are in the classroom are there because they do care. They do want kids to learn. They do want kids to succeed. And they're trying their best. They're trying their best to explain. They're trying their best to motivate. They're trying their best to get kids involved, to get kids to do their work. And to tell that person who is spending 90 minutes in some class periods, if you have block scheduling or 50 minutes in the other class periods, going home at night, grading papers, doing lesson plans, calling parents, mm. um, putting stuff online because we have some kids that don't come to school right? and you still got to have your physical lessons where you got your handouts, your workbooks, whatever, and the class, but you also got to put stuff online. So that's double work. To tell that person you haven't taught because these kids have failing grades is super insulting. Now, 
you know, and, and to basically insinuate that if they did some nice, shiny new curriculum, that everything is going to magically change, right? you know, and, and to, um, it's very difficult. That also is energy draining to basically have meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting to say, what are you doing, teacher? Mm. What haven't you done, teacher? What else can you do, teacher? You know, that is very energy draining because um, it makes it seem like whatever you do. I, I have an affirmation that I listen to every morning before I go to work. And one of the things she says multiple times in this affirmation is my best is good enough. Mm. Because what a lot of people are saying to teachers, which is very energy draining is whatever you're doing, even if it is your best, because these test scores don't show what we want to see. It's not good enough. And that is demoralizing. Mm. And so as an educator, I have had to say to myself, now there was a year, many years ago, I think this was probably five years ago, when I went home several days in tears after some of those meetings where I, not me personally, but the staff was being told in so many words, your best is not good enough. Your best isn't even close to good enough. I don't know what you're doing, but it ain't working. So you better learn how to do something else. Because if you can't do what we hired you to do, then you basically stealing from the taxpayers because you're not getting these kids to pass. <laughs> and our graduation rate isn't what it's supposed to be. And our attendance rate isn't what it's supposed to be. So what are you going to do about it that you're not doing already? And there were many, many, many days that year before I developed my, I call it stoicism, that I went home in tears. I didn't show it in the building. I went home in tears and I didn't want to come back the next day. And that year was the year I first started writing more and performing more. And I said, I am going to exit this profession because they don't really want me. They don't want me. They want a miracle worker. They want a magician. They want something else, but not a human being. They want God. They want Jesus coming down off the cross. And, and I even remember saying to one of these administrators, you do realize that Jesus was the son of God. And he still had Judas. So what would you say to him? Because hmm. Jesus was a teacher, got you. Yeah, Jesus was a teacher yeah. and he still had Judas. Right. And he gave all that he could to his disciples. Got and you. still one of them didn't learn a doggone thing. In fact, that was great. In fact, <laughs> that was good. in fact, that student got him killed. That was good. <laughs> that was a great analogy. So that's what I told an administrator. I said, you know, so I'm going to be, you know, that that's my philosophy, you know. And one, once I kind of got, in a sense, that philosophy, that if the son of God couldn't keep all his disciples in line, and what possible, you know, hope do I have of having every single one of my kids pass? Would I love for them to? Yes. Do I try for them to? Absolutely. If they don't, 
I am not going to take it as my personal invalidation. You know, and that was the year that I came to that mindset and the year that I also started working on my exit plan. Right. And from that time to this time, we want to talk about energy. Why do I put so much time into this podcast, into writing, into performing? Because when I went into education, I planned on working till I could barely walk in the doors, till I had a cane, a walker. That because I loved, I loved education. I loved the children. I loved to teach. I wanted them to learn. I wanted to see the, the growth. I loved the process. That was the year when I said, as soon as I can leave, when they say, you know, September 25th, 2025, that's the date I've been given that I can actually retire. September 25th, 2025. <laughs> Deuces. <laughs> and I love education. I do, but I don't like the fact that they, as a group, um, do so many things that are detrimental to the energy of the teachers, to the hope and the inspiration and the love for the profession that the teachers have. And I have decided that since I will be able to retire with my full pension, you know, at that time, that's my, that's my goal to, to work on my exit plan, to do the best that I can, the most that I can up until September 25th, 2025, and then the exit because it's not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up to get demoralized. Mm. I didn't sign up to get insulted. I didn't sign up to be blamed constantly for whatever problems exist in the educational system. That's not what I signed up for. Right. You know, and, and I will take responsibility for trying to be a better teacher. Always, 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 we all can improve, but I'm not going to take full responsibility for everything these kids can or can't do. You know, I'm going to yeah. do my absolute best every day that I go in there and whatever the outcome is, that is the outcome because I can't give you any more than my best. I can only give you my best. That's all I can do. And if that's not good enough, it's just not good enough. I'm okay with that. Right. You know, I'm okay with that. Um, Real quick story. Okay. I think that um, education takes a lot of energy from teachers. And that might be the reason why they zoom out of, out of school so fast. But a colleague of mine comes up to me the other day and he's like, hey, man, you happy? I was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm great. Mm -hmm. I'm great. I mean, my season is here and, you know, and I really, I really say that because I let a lot of things roll off my back. You know, the, 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 what you just said goes on in a lot of districts where, um, principals and administration suck, 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 suck. And they take, they take, they take from you and they never stop to say, Hey man, thank you for what you're doing. And he's like, Hey, you happy? I was like, I'm great. How are you? He was like, man, I don't know. He says, I don't know. He says, uh, you planning on coming back next year? I said, yes. Because in my mind, I already, 
I'm a re- I'm here for a particular reason. I'm here, like I've always said, the scheduling. I'm here for the schedule. You don't find very many places where you get a week off and get paid. You get two weeks off and get paid. You get these holidays and get paid, you know. When the kids are having issues in the classroom and they're not at school, then there's no reason for you to get be there, but you still get paid. You don't get very many jobs like that. So I say to him, I'm great. How are you? He was like, I don't know, man. I'm you coming back next year. I was like, I'm coming back. He said, you? I was like, I don't. He's like, I don't, I don't know. They want us to do more paperwork. I said, I feel you, man. I do. Went on my way. So then my assistant principal comes up to me and she was like, Mr. Dyke, um, you could do this. You could be this. And I'm thinking, I said to her, I was like, yeah, but you know, you know, I just be chilling. I'm, I'm not really, you know, y'all, you and my, I don't want to use any names. You and such and such got into, you know, an altercation and I was really just eating my chips and salsa. I was on, <laughs> I was on lunch. Y'all were talking there in the PLC. I was just on lunch. So I let y'all have it. I, I, listen, I know what it, for me, this is what's going to happen. My numbers, I will see, my goal was to have 75% of my kids pass the star. But I, in my mind, I was thinking, listen, I'm doing y'all a favor. I escaped the EOC. I wasn't teaching EOC. And a colleague of mine convinced me, unbeknownst to me, he was leaving or had thoughts in his mind that he needed to get his foundation straight in the math department we're getting a strong teacher to be an algebra one. I had already dipped out. I'm I'm four years removed from it. I I heard my narrative in the school district, in the school system, rather, in my at my school, like he fails a lot of kids. I heard the narrative. So I had dealt with it. I had moved on. They moved me to algebra two. They don't want to lose me. They moved me to algebra two. And I dealt with it. Y'all brought me back here. So I'm really doing y'all a favor. I don't really want to teach algebra one, but I'll do it because Last four years has been tumultuous. So I really don't want to, I let it roll off my shoulder. I'm not really pressed about who's going to pass or not because I already know who's going to pass or not because y'all gave me the the 48 kids that I know that are going to pass and then the mixture of some of my other kids, some ELLs will pass the first time. They'll kick in a drive. But I'm not as pressed as y'all are. Y'all not going to suck my energy. Like, I only got a certain amount of energy for y'all, and y'all not going to take it all. You want me to be the team lead? I don't want to be the Algebra 1 team lead, irregardless of the stipend that comes with it. I am comfortable doing what I do, and at 410, going down to the gym for basketball practice and going home. I don't need any ex- any extras. And so, yeah, I, the school system sucks your energy, and I won't be the one that they they just take, 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 take. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I think we have covered a lot um, about, you know, making your energy stronger. And so my, I guess, to kind of sum up, I think that I started off talking about looking for ways to boost your energy, whether it's meditation, whether it's alternative methods like, you know, acupuncture or Mm. ionic foot baths or smoothies with wheatgrass or Mm. eating some peanut butter, Mm. you know, Mm. um, Definitely nutrition can um, help with your energy, but also deciding when things happen 
that are negative, that could be seen as negative, that you can choose to view it as an obstacle or you can choose to look for the opportunity in that obstacle. Um, and then also knowing your limitations, you know, we cannot solve by ourselves every issue on the planet. We can do our best. And to not let worrying about what people think or what people want or what people demand or whatever they say suck our energy because people always are going to have opinions. They mm. are always going to have opinions and they're always going to think they know what you could do better than you know it. <laughs> they don't think that they're the F's. I mean, people who haven't been in the classroom in 25 years, just speaking about teaching, think they know what you could do mm. and you're the one in the classroom every day, right. but they're the expert supposedly on what right. you could do. Right. And we all know that theory is different from practice. Everybody should know that anyway. Sometimes I don't think people do know it because they act as if they don't. But there, I feel that as he said, as you said, you have to make some decisions. I'm only going to let this affect me so much. And beyond that, you don't get the right to, to take my energy. You don't get the right. What is it? I think, um, Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one can make you feel inferior without mm. your permission. Mm. So there's nobody on this planet that's going to make me feel inferior as a person or as an educator, because I'm not giving you the permission to make me feel that way. You know, you don't have that permission. You don't have that right. I know what I do. I know what I put in. I know what energy I give. And nobody on the planet can take away from me what I know, you know, and whether that person agrees with me or not is irrelevant. You could have all your opinions in the world, have your opinions. That doesn't change the fact that I know what I do. And I feel like once you know what your priorities are, whether it's, you know, like we were talking about, do you need to restructure your priorities? Do you need to put your family more first? Do you need to schedule things differently? You know, do you need to look at what brings you joy? Are you happy? You know, people are going to a job that makes them miserable. And I know we all got to pay the bills and everything, but sometimes you got to say, this is taking way more energy. I need to move and do something else. Right. And make an exit plan. I'm telling you, I'm working on mine right now because I've realized that what I signed up for and what I have right now, those are two different things. And it's okay. Everything isn't meant to last forever. Some things are just there for a season and that's all right. You know, um, people say the only thing constant in life is change, mm. you know? Facts. So Facts. education's change. I accept that. I thought it was going to be different than it is. It's not. I accept it. Um, I'm not going to worry about it. not going to stress about it. I'm going to do what I need to do, do the best that I can do. And then I'm going to move on with what my you know vision and goal for my life is. So I think that making your energy stronger really has to do with identity, priority, values, doing the things that make you happy doing the things that give you joy and give you energy. Like we talked about following your passion, you know? So there's so many different ways that you can make your energy stronger. So we talked about a whole lot of them. So I hope you guys got some, you know, insight as you were looking, if you look around this table, you know, you got 
all kind of inspirational merchandise. I've got keychains and wristbands and affirmation cards and magnetic bookmarks. I have essential oils now. I have the guided journals. You know, I have the worry stones. Um, all of this, as I said earlier in the podcast, is about trying to get people to live their best life and to encourage them to be their best selves. And um, that's what all of this is for. It's the whole purpose is energy. That's the whole purpose of this. And that whole, as I mentioned before, that butterfly effect, that what we do ripples out into the world. Um, and so let our ripples be positive. You know, so I want to thank you for joining us for Make Your Energy Stronger for this Zenergy podcast. And may you walk in Zenergy. Have a great night. Thank you. My name is Zen Shea, and I have a weekly podcast called Zenergy, which is fuel for the mind, body, and soul. And this is the Zenergize Your Life Goal Setting Package, Volume 1. It comes with the workbook, a journal, stickers, a bookmark, tabs, and a QR code where you can find my podcast. And inside this workbook, you're going to have 16 different principles. The first one I'm going to show you mine is abundance. You have a place to put pictures that inspire you of role models, also pictures of goals that you want to create, goals, journal prompts, meditations, affirmations, all kinds of things to help you focus on this principle to better your life. And like I said, there's 16 principles. So this is a $15 package that comes with all of these things I've shown you, $21 with shipping and handling, and you can get it at laughsandlyrics.com. So zenergize your life with me. Thank you. Plenty of guppies and other dating misadventures. Lust, loss, and lessons of love from 101 Dates, a memoir told in poetry and prose, read by the author, Zenashe. I believe that no experience is a waste. It either taught me what I desire or what I should deny my time and energy. Life is a school that gives us the test and then the lesson. So here are the lessons I learned on this seven-year journey. Hopefully these lessons will enrich your life. They certainly enrich mine. You can save this list for later, as each lesson is written at the end of each chapter. But I included it on page two for those who might be curious or want it later as a reference. Happy reading. Chapter one, attitude. I belong to that classification of women that men don't think exist, single by choice and content. Many men fathom themselves fairy godfathers, warning women to wed, settle down, commit before the clock strikes old age and we're left in the cinders with only birds and cats as company. Once their warnings might have stuck, but that was years ago, before my odyssey. I started out like most young women, a virgin, saving myself, fearful of sex like a roller coaster I'd always wanted to ride but couldn't truly picture myself climbing on. Pregnancy and STDs, enough of a threat to keep me on the kiddie rides, safe and secure and thrillless. Marriage came and went, long, unfulfilling, outside of my children. Not at all like people said it would be. Divorce, for me, signaled a new beginning. Enter the first online profile. I posted a pic, wondering if any man would even notice me. 
and got 100 inboxes in three days. The ugly duckling was a swan, it seemed. And I was ready after being a tension and sex star for years. This was a chance to see how the single, ready to mingle, half lived. I lined up 16 meet and greets in as many days, and in walked JJ. JJ. Dad bod, but with the smooth practice air of a man who knew how to mack. He was just what I wanted, needed, craved. A good listener, patient, willing to give me as much sex as I could handle, and after nine years of dealing with impotence, I could handle a lot. He was wine and flowers and soft jazz romantic. Taught me I was multi-orgasmic, something I didn't know, although I'd been married twice and was 43 years old. He was fun, carefree, and asked for nothing. I was spoiled. I didn't have to cook, clean, wash, put up with BS. 